Hello, my name is Jaden Svonier. Today I'm doing a podcast on the Sega Mine disaster. The Sega Mine disaster was on January 2nd, 2006. What a lot of people don't know was that it was a three-day long disaster. As there were 13 coal miners, only one survives. Randall McCoy Jr. When the rescuers got to the miners, they said they found all miners alive then later reported that it was only one he was in critical condition. They found him unconscious, which he stayed unconscious for several days in the hospital. Randall did report that they had oxygen rescuers, but several of them failed to function. Also, that the groups prayed together and wrote loved ones notes. Today I have here... A 911 dispatch from my mother, Roxanne Winters, that was at work when these calls came in. She was working 12-hour midnight shifts for the whole duration of the disaster. However, she had been late because of a family medical emergency. She reported with the Red Cross to the scene before she had to go back in. Here she is now. Hello, Roxanne. Tell me, what was the first thing you thought of when you heard what had happened? Well, it all came in stages, like waves. First, there was just reports of an explosion. That's what stage we were at when I got to work. Then reports that some miners may be trapped. It was hard to believe, of course. We didn't want that to be the case, but it was. Did you know anyone personally that died in the explosion? I knew several of the miners vaguely and at least one member of each miner's family. When you live in a small town, that's what happens. You know everyone, love everyone. Everyone's connected somehow. When you heard everyone was still alive, what was that a relief? What were your thoughts? the exact opposite of my thoughts after the first report over 40 hours prior to that. We wanted so bad to believe it, but deep down we didn't know how that could be. We had heard just enough of the radio traffic throughout the whole ordeal to know that it had to be a miscommunication somewhere. At this point, we had already recovered one minor deceased. The extent of his injuries didn't allow us to have much hope. They were talking about bringing the miners up to the church to meet their families and get something to eat before going to the hospital to be checked out. It was like deep down, knowing a huge secret that you knew was going to change hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives, and not being able to say anything. So we tried to hang on to that hope that it was in fact true. But there was definitely no time for relief. We were so busy, we didn't have time to process our thoughts, let alone any emotions that was going on. The only thing we had time for was barely was the calls coming in. And they were coming in back to back from everywhere, even other countries. Plus, we still had our everyday run-of-the-mill emergencies that we were dealing with. You reflect or feel more afterwards, even decades after. When you heard that only one survived, what was going through your head? 
First and foremost was the safety of all my crews that we had on scene. My officers were going to be dealing with extremely emotional family members, lives shattered, angry, scared, hurt, betrayed. The ambulances initially came back empty when they were, all the family members were waiting for their members to come back up there to eat. And here they were returning empty. So they were flogged, they were rocked back and forth. None of the responders were hurt physically, but everyone was hurting emotionally. And no one can blame the families for being upset. It was just a huge mess. And what did you do on your off time between shifts? I was on midnight shifts for that whole week. So whenever I got off duty, I responded straight to the scene to act as a Red Cross Shelters Operation Coordinator. We made sure that the families had food and drinks, shelter. We were picking up donated items, everything from pizzas to blankets to boots and coats. It was extremely muddy during those days. Everything that we thought that they could possibly need. We had mental health experts lined up, counselors, therapists, religious leaders, preachers, pastors, priests, I remained on scene until it was time to go back to work. I'd peel off my muddy coat and boots at the door to comm center and walk in in my dis or in my socks to dispatch another night. I had three babies aged five and under at home. I called to make sure that they were taken care of, which I knew that they were in good hands, but this made me miss them even more. I just wanted to hug them, and I didn't even get to see them until this was all over. Thank you.